Well, if you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 29. Yeah, we're going to look at 29 and 30 this morning. And also, go ahead and just, just to kind of save time towards the end, if you would, just pull a scrap of paper or a bookmark or something out of your Bible and, and turn, to, to, turn to Ezekiel chapter 36 and just place a marker right there. We'll be there in just a little bit. As I prepared this morning, as I prepared for this morning, it, it occurred to me that this is the last this is the last Sunday we'll meet in this year. This is the last time that we'll meet as a congregation corporately in the year of 2012. Um, you know, there's 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 many things that there's many times that, that we're called to reflect upon the past. We're called to look at the things we've done, and, and uh, uh, some of those. Sometimes it's not a great. Sometimes it's not a fun time to look back. Uh, there's there's maybe an employee evaluation, or an anniversary, a birthday. There's different times in our lives that that, that cause us that should cause us. They give us an opportunity to stop and look back and reflect on the things that that uh, that have happened, and so uh, so. New Year's is obviously a, is an obvious place that we can stop and look back and, and, and say, what's happened this year? Did I, did I determine to be where I'm at right now? Many of us don't want to do that. You know, there's, there's uh, two people do several things around New Year's. The most obvious thing that people do, and I, I looked up a stat, and it's like 40% of people will make a New Year's resolution of some type. I didn't look up the stats for how, often, how many of them are kept, but very few of them are actually kept. And, but but to, to resolve to do something, you have to look back at your past actions and say, what I've been doing hasn't worked up till now, so I'm going to resolve to do something different. And so, uh, uh, so, so in, around New Year's, we look back, but at the same time, at the same time, we end one year, immediately we step across the starting gate of the next year, and we're off again. If we're not careful, we'll get weeks or months down the road, and we will have never, ever stopped to take account of what's happened and where we've been and what God's done and what we've done and, and the things that have happened in our lives. And so, so this morning, I want to ask you, stop, and let's look back. Let's, and, and I want you to pause whether you would do it this morning or, or tonight or tomorrow, stop and look back at, what, at what's happened. Some of you are like, man, I, if you knew what I've been through this year, you wouldn't be asking me to look back right now. If you knew what kind of year I've had, you'd know I wouldn't want to remember this one. I know, I know that that's some of your stories. And uh, truth is, all of us, all of us have been through stuff. We've all been through some things that we don't care to go through again, and uh, some of our memories are not that great. But some of them are. There's some things that we've been through. Some of you have been through stuff that, that uh, you're like, wow, I look back and, man, I've, God has blessed me this year. And I can see it. It is so vivid and clear. And, and, and I, it's obvious. God has blessed me. And some of you are, man, if, I, if I'd have known this is where I would end up, I wouldn't have chosen this in a million years. 
And so there's, I know that there's those two people in this room, and there's everywhere in between. And so, uh, so, I, so I want you to know that, that, that the Lord has a word for all of us this morning. So uh, yesterday, you know, there's different things that, cause us to, to, uh, to, that, that will cause memories to come, to come boiling up, blast from the past or whatever. And, and uh, yesterday I was, looking, at, I was looking, looking through Facebook, and I noticed where somebody had put a picture on that was from like the 90s. It was kind of an older picture, and, and it, was a, it was a church van. It was the back of a church van. There were two faces in the, van, in, the, in the back window, and I noticed that there were a lot of comments underneath this, underneath this picture. I was like, I'm, I'm going to look at the comments. You know, I mean, I didn't know these people very well. They knew, I know of them, and you know, so you know how Facebook friendship goes. not really friendship. It's just you just know people, and, and so they friend you, and it's weird. So, but anyhow, so, so I... I I go to look through these comments of all these people that I don't know, and it feels a little creepy at first, but that's okay. We get past that. And so, so we look, I'm looking through these comments, and, uh, and I'm noticing that this picture, man, it just aroused memory. People remember, I mean, and, and it was like this picture caused people to remember a trip that, was, that must have been great. Because there, was, there were people that you couldn't see in the picture. Their faces weren't in there, and yet they were chiming in because they remembered pictures of this youth church trip. And so, uh, so, so pictures aren't the only thing that causes us to pause and look back. You know, there's, there's a smell. Sometimes you'll walk into a place and you're like, man, that smells just like my grandmother's house. And you'll stop, and it'll be good. And then, and then sometimes you'll hear a song, and you're like, that song will remind you of something that happened. And sometimes that song reminds you of something good. Sometimes it reminds you of maybe an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend or whatever, and, and, uh, and you're like, man, that wasn't a great memory. And so, so, but, but, but smells, songs, uh, sometimes you'll just see somebody. Sometimes you'll see somebody that, that uh, you haven't seen in a long time. Maybe I'll run into somebody from high school that I haven't seen since high school, and immediately my mind goes right back to high school. I'm like... And, of course, you youth kids know that's been a long time for me. But, uh, uh, so, but my mind can still go right back there, and the memories are so vivid of what me and that person did, the things we did together, the, the fun that we had, the places that we went. And, and man, there's, there's just different things that will cause us to remember stuff. Well, in Deuteronomy, chapter, the whole book of Deuteronomy, we find, uh, we find that, that, that God's people, Israel, are about to enter into the promised land. You know, Israel was, Israel was led out of Egypt, out of slavery, and, and, and the Lord led them through Moses. He used Moses to lead them out of slavery, and, and, and lots of miraculous things happened. And he, he promised them a home. He promised them a place, and he told them it was a place that was flowing with milk and honey. And, and he said, this will be yours. And all you have to do is trust me. All you have to do is obey me. And all you have to do is go in and take it. Because I'm going to give it to you. And, and many of us here, sitting here this morning know the story that, that the, the Israelites, they got to the edge of the promised land and what happened? They pulled up there and they sent some spies in. Man, those people in there are big, they're mean, they're ugly, they've got a lot of weapons and, and I don't think we can handle it. I don't think we can conquer it. Well, they were right about one thing. They couldn't handle it. But man, they had, they had the Lord God on their side. You remember back in, in, uh, when, you were, when you were on the playground as a kid, you remember what it was like to not be... I mean, most of us were not the big kid on the playground. 
We were not, most of us in this room, we're an ordinary average people, and, and so most of us were not the kid that was the scrappiest or that could fight his way out of anything. Most of us were the kid that, you know, we kind of went around hoping we didn't run into that kid that could beat us up and wanted to. And so, but, but what about when you had that kid that could tear anybody up on the playground that he wanted to? And he was on your side. And the Israelites had God. They could have walked, they could have gone in and taken anything God wanted them to have and God told them, it's not like it was a mystery, God told them, I want you to have this. I'm giving it to you. Trust me. And they pulled up there and they got there and they got, they got scared. Now, fear, fear is destructive. Okay? And so they got scared and, and when they did, they, they became unfaithful. And they lost faith in God. And so, so this, this book, Deuteronomy, is written to the next generation. God told that generation, said, you will not go in there. You will wander around this place for some 40 years, this wilderness for 40 years, and you will not go in. Well, now in Deuteronomy, that generation is about gone. And the new generation has come up. And, and, and God has inspired Moses to instruct this new generation of how to love God, how to obey God, what His commandments are. And He's renewing a promise. He's promising them a home, and He's telling them to go take it. This, is, this will be yours. Okay? And even more importantly, He said, I want you to be my people. So Deuteronomy chapter 29, we, we, uh, uh, we have a, an exchange here where Moses is instructing the Israelites between a choice. You have a choice. There's two sides of this coin. And you're going to pick one or the other. And I'm here this morning telling you that each one of us pick one or the other each day. Each one of us will get up each morning and we'll decide, am I going to follow Jesus Christ? Or will I do what I want to do? Will I get up and worship what I want to worship and spend time on what I want to spend time on? Or will I seek to follow Christ today? And so, uh, uh, so each and every day, I don't want this, this, this message, uh, um, this message is for everyone in this room. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, maybe you don't even know you don't know Him. This message is for you. If, you, if you've known Him for, for 20 or 30 or 50 years, this is for you. This Word is from God and it's for you. Okay? And so... Uh, uh, so, so, so let me kind of... We're going to break these two chapters down into five things. We're going to move pretty quickly. Uh, let, let me kind of give you a preview. The first thing he does is what I've kind of asked you guys to do here this morning. The first thing Moses does is he asks the Israelites to remember. To look back and remember. Not just remember what's happened, but to remember specifically what God has done. Secondly, he invites them. He invites them into a relationship with the Lord God. Thirdly, he warned them of things to come for rejecting God. And I'm telling you guys this because I know some of you like to, like to outline and write notes and stuff like that. And so I'm, I'm giving you the outline of the, of the message right here. Okay, so, so that was third. Third, he warns them to, uh, of things to come if they choose to reject God. Fourthly, he tells them about the blessing. He tells them about what's going to happen if you choose to follow God. If you choose to, 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 to be wholly devoted to the Lord... This is the blessing that will come. And then lastly, Moses doesn't beat around the bush. He tells them to choose life. He doesn't, he doesn't leave it out there to say, 
to you just, well, you guys just figure out which choice you want to do and whichever one you want to do, that'll be okay with me. And no, Moses, like, he's, he's all up in their mug and he says, choose life. Okay, so, uh, so let's, let's dig in. We'll start in, in uh, chapter 29, verse 1. Verse 1 says, and we'll, we'll, go through, we'll go through 9 here. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the sons of Israel in the land of Moab besides the covenant which he had made with them in Horeb. Just so you know, Horeb is also Sinai, Mount Sinai. Verse 2, And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all his servants in all his land. The great trials which your eyes have seen, those great signs and wonders. Yet to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. I have led you forty years in the wilderness, and your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandal has not worn out on your foot. You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine or strong drink, in order that you might know that I am the Lord your God. When you reached this place, Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out to meet us for battle. But we defeated them, and we took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manassites. So keep the words of this covenant to do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. God was, God was making a new covenant with a new generation. See, every, everybody that was older, the first time that the, that, that the Israelites were ready to enter the Promised Land, the first time they pulled up to enter, God, and, and they, they, didn't, they rejected God in that spot, God said, he, he, he said that, Nobody above the age of 20 will enter in. Well, now Moses is telling them. He's making, God is making a new covenant with that new generation. So everybody that's above, that was above the age of 20 at that time, or sorry, younger than the age of 20 at that time, it, God is now inviting into a relationship. Okay? And so he says, Moses says, look back. Now, some of these, some of these people were there. Some of these people saw all that God had done. Some of them had not. But, but let me ask you, if you had seen the Red Sea parted, would you not tell your kids about it? Would your kids not hear about that on a real regular basis? If you, if you, had, seen, if you had seen the Passover and all of the plagues and everything that the Lord did and how God brought you out of slavery, would you tell your kids about that? I'm asking you. Would you? Absolutely. For sure we would tell our kids about it. So this is not a generation that walks up to this blindly not knowing what had happened. They knew what had happened. Some of them saw it with their own eyes. Some of them, man, they've been hearing about it for a lifetime. They know, they know about it. And so, so, so Moses kind of sums it up for them. Now, now earlier in Deuteronomy, he, he kind of goes into it in detail. But right here, he just says, remember. Moses summoned all of Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord, your, Lord did before your eyes. And first he references the land of Egypt. Of course, we saw the, of course the plagues happened and, 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 and this great thing is introduced to the Israelites, the Passover, which, which should indicate, which does indicate to, to all the generations to come, G, the coming of Jesus Christ. So that happened in Egypt. And then, and then they saw the, the crossing of the Red Sea where, where the Lord parted the waters and they walked across it on dry land. And then the fiery bush on Mount Sinai where this bush is, uh, is mysteriously burning there. And, but it, 
It's not going anywhere. The bush is not really on fire, but there's fire around it. And, and, and Moses comes back off this mountain, and he's got these tablets. And, man, there's all this stuff going on. And, the, and there's, we talk about a generation that has some stories now. They've got some stories. And, uh, and, so, and, then, and then God's provision in the wilderness, they certainly knew about that. You see in verse 5, I've led you for 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out. Man, just, just you hear the provision of God in those verses. God provided for them every day. They had what they needed. They did not lack. Then you see in verse 7 and 8, you may wonder who the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the, and the Manassites are. Man, that is, that's part of Israel. Those are three of the tribes of Israel. And so, so they've already been given some land, and so, so it's... They've already seen some of the promise come, come to fruition. And I, I kind of point all this out because all this is begging the question, have you seen some stuff happen in your life? Have you seen God do some things in your past? I mean, can you look back? To, let, well, let me just ask you this. Do you and Jesus Christ have a story together? Because each one of us can look back should be able to look back. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, you can look back through this year and you can see vividly where God has blessed you. His hand's been upon you, man. He may be directing you back into obedience, but His hand was upon you. He may have blessed you in your obedience. His hand was upon you. And you look back and you, and you should be able to recall God's done some things in your life. We look at verse 4. You saw I kind of skipped over that. And verse 4 is a tough verse. What do we do with this? Yet to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. See, Moses reminds them of all these things that, that, have, that has happened, that God has done for them. And then in the middle of this, yet to this day the Lord has not given you a heart to know. Is it God's fault they can't know? Is it God's fault they can't see? And is it God's fault they can't hear? You look at that verse and at glance you might say, yeah. Looks like it's God's fault, man. Why had the eyes that witnessed the Exodus not become eyes of faith? Why did the ears that heard the thunder at Mount Sinai not become ears of obedience? Deuteronomy 6, chapter 6, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. They've heard that message. Why did they have a why did the people that knew that message in their head still in their heart capable of, of worshiping idols? Too many of us sit here today and, and we know the message, man. We know the good news. We know we know we even proclaim to know Jesus Christ. And we've become idol worshipers. Now, what are you talking about? Some of you are out there, what is he talking about? I'm not worshiping idols. I do not have a golden calf on my mantle. And, uh, and I've not been building wood idols. What is he talking about? What are the idols of this day? What are the idols of our culture and our, and our, and our time? Fame, fortune, and pleasure. People worship at the feet of fame, fortune, and pleasure. Fame, of course, the desire to be powerful, the desire to be known, the desire to, 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 to reign over something in your life. The desire to sit on the throne of God. 
It's a sin from the it's the very first sin. And then fortune. It's the desire to be to be wealthy. To hold to hold whatever 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 you put in the blank that, that, that is wealth to you, whether it would be money or homes or cars or 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 family. And can our can our family become an idol? You betcha. You betcha your family can get between you and God in a heartbeat. And you can justify that one as easy as you can justify any other one. Okay? And so so verse four, yet why why had God not given you a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear? And let me just tell you four things about this verse. Four things I kind of see about this verse. Uh, people are fickle. People are fickle. Just, just flat out, man. We are a fickle people. We're like one that one one day we're this way, and another day we're this way, and and we're a fickle people. Did the Israelites intend? Did the Israelites intend to reject God? What was their intention? Their intention was they were going to follow God. They wanted the Promised Land. I mean, if somebody, if if, if the Lord God came to you and said, "I'm going to," I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. And all you have to do to follow me, you're like, where do I sign on the dotted line? Their intentions were good. Have you ever heard this saying? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. I looked up yesterday to see who said that. I couldn't find who said it. it looked, it's unknown, but, but, but nonetheless, the truth is still there. And we can, we can have great intentions. And it won't indicate a lick of integrity. It won't, it won't indicate that we're able to follow through with what we say we'll do. We are a fickle people. Number two, people are still capable of turning away even after witnessing all God has done. And you can look back over a lifetime and see, see what God has done and, and, and still reject Him. Man, they, these people stood. Everything, everything around them reminded them of what God had done for them. And they could still reject God. Think about Judas. Man, Judas had a front row seat to the miracles of Jesus Christ. Did he not? Judas, Judas saw everything Jesus did, heard everything Jesus preached, and, and, and he watched people's lives turned upside down and changed. And, what, and Judas, still able to, to turn from God and do what he wanted to do. And our hearts are, are just that way. Number three, the unrepentant heart. Arrogant, selfish. Some of you are sitting here going, man, that is not me. I am not that. That You are talking about somebody else. That is us. We, our hearts are that. Unrepentant, arrogant, selfish. Our hearts prevent us from knowing God. Maybe you're sitting there and you're going, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen God do anything. It's a sad place to sit in. Psalm 19.1 says that the universe, all of Psalm 19 says the universe is, is screaming out, there is a God, there is a God. All of the universe, all of creation screams that out. Can I just ask you a question? Did you get up this morning? And did the sun rise again? Of course it did. 
It's a silly question. Did you just take another breath? You really think that just happened? No, it didn't just happen. A sovereign God set that into motion and, and a sovereign God a sovereign God holds all of creation together by the word of his mouth. And yet, yet we're still left to choose whether we would trust and obey and follow. We, the last thing we can see from verse 4, and it's a, it's a, it's a gift from God, that any time that somebody would make a choice, that they would, they would recognize a hard heart, and God would turn that into a heart of flesh, and that, that they would become a person that would be able to follow. That is a gift. That is a grace. That is a mercy. But here's the second thing about that. It's also a choice. And, 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 and again, we, these, these two truths collide with each other, whether, whether we're whether God saves people or we choose to be saved, and is God sovereign over, over who's saved, or do we choose to be saved? Yeah. God gives us the gift to turn and follow Him, and then there's a choice. We as a human have to choose it. And so Psalms 95, and it, uh, this verse is repeated in Hebrews multiple times, and this is one of my favorite verses of all Scripture. Today, if you hear His voice... Do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Let's move on. Chapter 29, starting in verse 10. You stand today, all of you, before the Lord your God, your chiefs, your tribes, your elders, and your officers, even all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the alien who is within your camps, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into the covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath which the Lord your God is making with you today in order that he may establish you today as his people and that he may be your God just as he spoke to you and as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, not with you alone am I making this covenant and this oath, but both with those who stand here with us today in the presence of the Lord our God and with those who are not with us here today. You know, we see right here an invitation an invitation into relationship. And the invitation, the firstly, first thing we see, verses 10 and 11, the invitation is for all. Who did God leave out of the list? When Moses penned this, was there anybody left out of this list? There, I mean, it's for everybody. He, he, he includes everybody from the top of the social ladder to the bottom of the social ladder, whether you are a, whether you are a chief, an elder of the tribe, or, or just somebody that, get, that hauls buckets of water. Man or woman or child. Everyone is invited. And so, so it kind of reminds me of John 3.16. We spent some time on John 3.16 in here. And, uh, and, and it's, for God so loved the world. Now, who does that encompass? That is everybody. God so loved the world. That, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And whoever, the choice, the choice, the invitation is made to everyone. Second, the invitation is ongoing. Look at verses 14 and 15. Now not, that I, now not with you alone am I making this covenant and this oath, but both with those who stand here with us today in the presence of the Lord our God and with those who are not with us today. And, and Moses is saying, this is, this is with you and those that would come after you. 
The invitation is open. And just, just the repeating of today. Today. You have the choice today. The invitation is today to choose. You may wonder. You may wonder why, why, would, God, why would God make that invitation? Why would He do that? We'll look back at verses 12 and 13. He tells us that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into His oath which the Lord your God is making with you today in order that He may establish you today as His people. God desires a relationship with His people. He desires a relationship. And, and that should, we should be floored by that. That is an astonishing assertion. Do you think God needs anything from any of us? Does God need us? No, He does not. There's a uh, saying that, I've, that I heard somebody say and uh, it goes like this, if I won't do it, if I won't do it, God will find someone who will and I'll miss the blessing. God's desire is for, us to, is for us to enter into relationship with Him. He doesn't need us, but it's an astonishing thing that He wants us. He, see, he, he, is, he is after us. Okay? So there's the invitation. Verse 16, the warning. Here's the warning, and, and, and he clearly explains both sides of the coin. The warning, verse 16. For you know how we lived in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the midst of the nations through which you passed. Moreover, you have seen their abominations and their idols of wood, stone, silver, and gold, which they had with them. Look back at verse 16. I looked at this and I went, what? You, you, you hit that and you, you almost miss it. Verse 16. For you know how we lived in the land of Egypt. Can somebody tell me how the Israelites lived in the land of Egypt? Slavery. That's exactly right. All right. So you know how we lived in the land of Egypt. We were in slavery, man. And... And, you, and how we came through the midst of the nations through which you passed. And I had to sit and think about that. I was kind of, had kind of a, a dense moment. How did they come through the nations through which they passed? I mean, how, did they, how were they led through the wilderness? Pillar of cloud and fire. Cloud by day, fire by night. The Lord, the God, the, the Lord did not abandon them to wander around in the wilderness. He led them every single day. And, and Moses reminds them right here, because he's, he's calling them constantly to look back. This is the choice that I'm calling you to make. I'm calling you to choose God today. This is the, and, and so he reminds them, this is, this, is what God, this is what God removed you from. This is how he did it. In verse 17, he gives them the other side of the coin. Moreover, you have seen, this is if you choose the other way, you choose not to follow God. Moreover, you have seen their abominations and their idols of wood, stone, silver, and gold, which they had with them. Who's he talking about? He's talking about all the nations that they traveled through. Man, they, they came into contact with some other people, and they were idol worshipers, pagans. They did not believe. They did not know God. Verse 18, So that there will not be among you a man or woman The result of idolatry. And we're, this is, I just got to tell you, this is a tough, tough section. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to, just hold on, okay? Just hold on. There's oxygen coming. The good news is coming. Because this is a tough section of scripture right here. And this is one that, that, that I wish we could skip over. But we need this. Verse 17. 
Moreover, you have seen their abominations and their idols of wood, stone, silver, and gold, which they had with them, so that there will not be among you a woman, a man, family, or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations, that there will not be among you a root bearing poisonous fruit and wormwood. He says, you've seen the idolatry of other nations. He, he reminds them of the experience. Have you ever, you ever seen a, uh, we've all seen these pictures. You ever seen somebody that's, that's uh, uh, and maybe some of us have experienced this, a time in our life where you've seen somebody go through a time in their life, man, they were strung out in some kind of addiction. You know, we, we've seen shows like Intervention and stuff like that where, where I mean, you, you see somebody come to a place that, man, how could you choose that? Nobody in their right mind would choose to get to that place. And that is what Moses is doing right here. He is holding up a picture. You choose idolatry. If you choose to reject the Lord your God, this is where you're going. This is what it's going to be like. And people are, people are shown... And you think about you think about drug addiction and, and, and alcoholism and, and, and people are shown the end of that life and, and where that will take you and then can I can I move that from the extreme of drugs and alcohol to just sin in general? When we choose to live in sin, we get to a point where like, Yeah, I know it's sin, but I don't really care. It's not that bad. It's not that big a deal. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. That's where it started with the Israelites. That's why, that's why the Lord, right here in this section, is warning them to not even a, not even a hint of idolatry. Not even a little bit. And, and later on, he was telling them, don't even marry somebody from another nation. It's not because God had something against other nations. He had something against them that they would not follow him. And he knew that, that if they would bring in somebody into the family that did not follow God, that before long, that would draw the whole nation away from God. It would draw everybody's heart away. And so, it's that powerful. Sin is that powerful. Verse 19. She'll be, when he hears the words of this curse, that he will boast, saying, this is a devastating verse. This is a scary verse. Let me just start over. It shall be, and he's talking about the person that, that is chosen to reject God and to worship idols. It shall be, when he hears the words of this curse, that he will boast. Devastating. To hear the words of a curse and boast saying, I have peace, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart in order to destroy the watered land with the dry. I have peace. That isn't... that People, church, this is the picture of a heart that's not repentant. You're wondering right now, man, have I, am I repentant? Have I repented of sin in my life? Well, well ask yourself... Am I boasting about sin? Am I boasting that, that, in essence, they're saying, I really don't care how this affects anybody around me. I don't care how this is going to affect me later. I don't care how it's going to affect my family. I don't care what my decision... I don't, hear, I don't care how that's going to cause pain in the lives of those that are close to me. I don't even... 
much less give a thought to the future generation. I'm going to do what I want to do because I want to do it because it will make me happy and it will feel good. Verse 19, that's what verse 19 is saying. That person just boasts. And that is a stubborn, arrogant heart. And you're sitting there going, some of you are going, man, that's not me. I'm going to tell you, that's me. That is me. That is all of us. They, we have had that. If we're, if we're not there now, we've been there, and we may get there again. Not careful. We can get to a place and say, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I don't deal with that anymore. And, and people are around you going, what are you talking about? Have you not seen this part of your life over here? Have you not seen that, that, that at school you're totally different than you are at, at church? Have you not seen that at work you're like an animal and at church you're like some kind of... Oh, you're a fairy I've never even met before. It's boasting in the stubbornness of our heart. And then verse 20, it's even worse. Because here's, here's the consequence. The Lord shall never be willing to forgive him. Why? I thought the Lord, I thought, I thought Jesus loved all and, and, and could forgive everybody and that's why he died. Yeah, that is why he died on the cross. That is. Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect, sinless life, died on a cross and was raised again three days later to save all of humanity. But you have a choice. You have to choose him. The Lord shall never be willing to forgive him. Why? Why will he not be forgiven? Because he will not repent. He will not repent. He will continue on doing what he's been doing and he will not follow God. But rather the anger of the Lord and his jealousy will burn against that man and every curse which is written in this book will rest on him and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. Then the Lord will single him out for adversity from all the tribes of Israel according to all the curses of the covenant which are written in this book of the law. Tell you the thing that came to my mind when I saw when I saw verse twenty, the end of it, and the Lord will blot out His name from under heaven. There's another place where where we see that 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 if your name is not written there, it is a you have a harsh future to say the least, and that is the book of life, Revelation chapter twenty. You don't have to turn there. Maybe just write this just write this down in the margin of your Bible, Revelation chapter twenty, verses eleven through fifteen. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from, those, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened and another book was opened which was the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the book according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And who is he talking about? He's talking about people in verse 19, those that are unwilling to repent and follow God and follow Jesus Christ. That's who he's talking about. The dead in Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. The death, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And that just begs a very simple question. Is your name written in the book of life? Because if it's not, your future is very clear. You don't have to wonder what your future is. 
If, you're, if your name is not written in that book of life, you're on the wrong side of the fence. Can I tell you that there are a lot of people that claim they're sitting on, they're, they don't want to sit on the fence. They don't want to believe one way or the other. They don't want to judge one way or the other. And, and, and man, I, all religions, you know, they're all great. They're all going to get you to God and into heaven and, and, and baloney. Jesus Christ is the only way. You can't sit on the fence on this one. And, and, and you may sit out there, you may, you may, you may be saying, man, I don't, you say what you want to, I don't really believe you, and, 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 and I don't really put much stock into this book. I hear there's a lot of contradictions in it. And, and can, I, can I tell you, you don't have to put stock in me at all. You don't have to trust me. This right here, this is it. You ask the Lord God to, to give you life. God, I don't know if you're real. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to seek for a moment. And I'm going to ask that you would answer me. Moving on. There's a punishment for this nation. Verse 22. Now the generation to come, your sons who rise up after you, and the foreigner who, who comes from a distant land, when they see the plagues of the land and the diseases with which the Lord is affected, it will say, all its land is brimstone and salt, a burning waste, unsown and unproductive. And I walked in this morning, I told, I told uh, somebody what, what, what the message was about this morning, where the chapters were, and, and, uh, uh, and he misunderstood me when I told him where we were going to be. And this verse was on the screen when I walked in. I went, that is a really tough verse. <laughs> all its land is brimstone and salt and burning waste, unsown and unproductive, and then no grass grows in it. That is tough stuff. Like the overthrow, like the leftover of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and in, in his wrath. And then verse 24 is where I want, really want to get to. All the nations will say, why has the Lord done this to this land? Why this great outburst of anger? I mean, what did these people ever do to deserve that? Verse 25, then men will say, because they forsook the covenant of the Lord, they rejected the invitation to relationship. You see covenant in the Bible? Relationship. Relationship. You don't, that, that word is not a big word. We can learn a churchy word here. Covenant, relationship, same thing. Okay? Because they forsake the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Why did God... Why did God allow them to look like the, the, the leftovers of Sodom and Gomorrah? Because they rejected him. Because they rejected him. They chose, they chose wrongly. In verse 26, they went and served other gods and worshipped them. God's, I mean, Moses is, and you don't, if you're an Israelite at this time, you do, this is so clear. You don't have, there is no, there's no having to read between the lines. This is one way or the other. You don't have to wonder what he means. Verse 27, Therefore the anger of the Lord burned against that land to bring upon it every curse which is written in this book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger and in fury and in great wrath and cast them into another land as it is this day. Can I just tell you, the nation of Israel, they were on display for all of the nations around them and they've been on display for all of history for us. They've been, they, they had a mission. You know what the mission of Israel was? Reflect, reflect my glory. God said, 
go out and reflect my glory. That's our mission. Church, that is our mission. We're called to reflect. You see, when when sin entered in, the reflection of, of God in human, in mankind, the reflection was shattered and it became distorted and God created this nation Israel to reflect and then the story progresses and, and Jesus Christ came and God, God, man, let me ask you, what man can reflect God better than God himself? And Jesus Christ became a perfect reflection. Okay? And so, so the mission of Israel to reflect God now they were on display for all of the nations and for all of history. Church, we are on display for all of those around us. As a Christian, our lives are on display. The world is asking. Man, I, I'm telling you, the, world is, the lost world is screaming out this question right here. Do they really believe that stuff? Is this Jesus stuff real? Do they really believe what they're saying? When your world is flipped upside down by death, by the death of a loved one, by devastating news from a doctor, by financial ruin, any undeserved injury or of any form, then your life is on display. Does it come oozing? Does Jesus Christ come oozing from you in that moment? Does your faith become apparent to all of those around you? They're like, I... I don't know what it is. Something's different about that guy. Something's different about that woman. Or will they just see another life in ruins? Your life will testify to the truth of God's Word. Every life, every life, you lay on your deathbed, your life, whether you chose God or whether you chose to reject God, your life will testify to the truth of God's Word. Blessing or curse, you'll be in one or the other. Your life will testify to the truth of God's Word. Your life will scream out, God's Word is true, whether your voice will scream it or not. I told you to mark Ezekiel chapter 36. Turn there real quickly. We won't stay here long. I'm just going to read it. Uh, it's starting verse 22. Now we'll back up to verse, verse 16. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel was living on the, in, the, in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their way before me was like the uncleanness of a woman in her impurity. Therefore I poured out my wrath on them for the blood which they had shed on the land because they had defiled it with their idols. By the way, this is, this is what happened we, we, just, we just jumped ahead in future right here. We, we started in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and the choice was given to a generation. This is how they chose. So if you wonder how they chose, we're reading it. This is history. Therefore I poured out my wrath on them for the blood which they had shed on the land because they had defiled it with their idols. Verse 19. Also I scattered them among the nations and they, they were dispersed throughout the lands. According to their ways and their deeds, I judged them. When they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name because it was said of them, these are the people of the Lord. Yet they have come out of this, his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations where they went. This is good news, by the way. 
This is good news. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. Do you think they profaned his name? I mean, the word keeps coming up like six times now. Uh, he wanted to get a point across, obviously, when you, see a word, when you see a word repeated. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. For I will take you, and then this, is, this really is good news, for I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. How in the world does God do that? Two words. Jesus Christ. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your forefathers, so you will be my people and I will be your God. Verse 32, I'm not doing this for your sake, declares the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, On the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places to be rebuilt. And there's a promise. Last week, I wasn't here. I listened. But last week, we heard about God's promises. And there's another promise right there, and that promise is coming true before our very eyes. The Lord Jesus Christ has come, and someday Israel will be restored. That day is coming. It's not happened yet. Look at verse, look at, uh, uh, you know, verse 29, back in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. This is a, this is a difficult verse, but nonetheless it's an answer to a difficult question. Because the question obviously comes up, if God knew, many of you have asked this, if God knew how Israel would choose, did God know how Israel would choose? Yes, he did. He wasn't surprised by it. If God knew how Israel would choose, why? Why would he go down that road? Verse 29, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever that we may observe all the words of this law. In essence, Scripture tells us and there's going to be some things we're not going to figure out. There's going to be some things that God keeps from us. Can, can, can a sovereign God who breathed and spoke the universe into existence, can He hold some things from His creation? Can you be okay with that? Yeah, I can be okay with that. I can live with that. And, and, and this question of why would God allow Israel to go through this, knowing the choice they would make in chapter 30. Here's, here's, here comes the oxygen. Here's the good news. We're, we're getting close. Verses 1 through 5. So it, is, so it shall be written when all of these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind in all the nations where the Lord your God has banished you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey Him with all your heart and soul according to all that I command you today, you and your sons. Then the Lord your God will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are at the ends of the earth, from there the Lord, Lord your God will gather you. 
and from there he will bring you back. The Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. And he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Our God is sovereign. Our God is sovereign. He, the, I don't know if you noticed the, the use of the word will and shall in those five verses. He will do it. It's like seven times. He will do it. He shall do it. It shall come to pass. It's going to happen. And, and you can bank on it. This is going to happen. And, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past. The choices we've made in the past, the choices we're making right now, the choices, the failures of mankind will not change what God is going to do. God is that sovereign that even in our failures, what He has said will come to pass. He's not surprised by the choice Israel made. I, I mentioned that a while ago. He's not somehow wondering what to do next. He didn't get to this point and go, man, I need a plan B. God doesn't ever need a plan B. He'll never need one. He rules, I like this, James McDonald says this all the time, another pastor I like to listen to, he rules the universe with his feet up. This his, his leading, his ruling here is not stressing him or stretching him in any way. That is the God that calls us into relationship with him. He is that sovereign. Look at verse 6. This verse is screaming out the gospel. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. Jesus Christ. Man, when you become saved... When Jesus Christ enters into your heart and you become saved, you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. He will make you holy and you will live. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And look at verse 8. And you shall again... You shall again Obey the Lord and observe all His commandments which I command you today. What, is obe- what, is, what does relationship lead to? It says it right here. You shall, again, you shall again obey the Lord. Relationship leads to obedience. And, and, and maybe you're out there and you're going, what, what is all this obedience stuff? That sounds kind of Old Testament to me. And, and man, I'm part of the New Covenant. And, and, uh, and, 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 and we're about love. We're just, we're just all about love. Now, wait a second. Jesus Christ says, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll obey me. And relationship, and let's not get the cart before the horse here. Let's not try to do a bunch of stuff we're not capable of. Let's, let's enter into relationship, and let's love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul, and then we'll be able to obey. Verse 9, Then the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work your hand and the and in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your cattle, and in the produce of your ground, the Lord, the Lord will again rejoice over you for good. And that is, that's underlined in my Bible. The Lord will again rejoice over you for good. Man, I want that. How many of you in here want, want God to rejoice over you for good? Absolutely. If you obey the Lord your God to keep His commandments, we're in verse 10 and his statutes which are written in this book of the law, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, man, that is screaming repentance. You see the word turn in a scripture like this, in a verse like this, you turn your heart. That is turning from sin and turning towards God. 
It's repentance. Okay. Then verses 11 through 14. These, these verses command a lot more time that we don't have this morning. But, but let's hit them. And, uh, and maybe some other time we'll, we'll spend the time they need. For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. That's pretty simple. Was, was, was God's law complicated? No. It was simple. Now, was it easy? Obviously, it's not easy. The Bible says we all fall in many ways. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us to get it for us and make us hear it, that we may observe it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross the sea for us to get it for us and make us hear it, that we may observe it. But the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may observe it. Just a couple of things. It is true. We all fall in many ways. and We all have sinned. As believers, do we struggle with sin still? Yeah. We sometimes get this... We sometimes bind a lie that we don't have to talk about sin. That we don't deal with sin anymore. I'm not supposed to deal with sin anymore, so I'm definitely not going to talk about it. And, uh, and, and as believers, we still deal with sin sometimes. We absolutely do. And, uh, uh, but how many times have you heard a believer say, I'm just a sinner. I can never be perfect. I'm always going to screw things up. Remember the, the, remember the donkey on Winnie the Pooh? What's his name? Eeyore. Eeyore. Eeyore was that guy. I don't know how many Eeyores we have out here in this crowd, uh, but, but, but there's almost certainly an Eeyore or two out here, and, and you've, you've run into them in your life where I can never get it right. It'll never turn out right for me, and I'll never... Man, we, we are some Eeyore Christians running around, and that is not, that is not a life in Christ. We've all, we, all, we all fall in many ways, but... How about this? I'm not who I want to be. I'm not who I want to be, but by the grace of God, I'm not who I was either. This is called sanctification. Another church word. Man, I, we're learning two of them this morning. Uh, sanctification. Not who I want to be, but by the grace of God, I'm not who I was either. I'm growing. And, uh, and you may take... St- it may be, your life may be... You take three steps forward, two steps back. It's still one step forward. You're marching on. You want to know if you're saved? Are you growing? Are you growing? Are you being sanctified? Are you being made more like Jesus Christ every day? Are you, are you growing? Then verse 14. But the world is very near you and in your mouth and in your heart that you may observe it. This thing is in your heart. This is not lipstick on a pig. This is not window dressing. We're not dre- Christianity is not some external change to our lives. Christianity is from the inside out. If you have the spirit of the living God living in you, you can't help but be different. You absolutely can't help but be different. If you have the spirit of the living God living inside of you, you will be different. And my closing remarks to you today are just this. man. I, I, I can't say much about verses 15 through 20 except just read them to you. And so, so what I'd like to do in closing, I want to read these to you. There's, there's such incredible power in these words, and, uh, and I'm not going to anything to them. Uh, so, so 
me read these to you, and, it's, and, and when I get done, I'm going to pray. Micah, you go ahead and come up whenever I start praying and, and uh, lead us in a time to respond. Uh, can I ask you, can I, can I just encourage you to do one thing for me? Please don't neglect this time. This is just an extension of our time in worship, but don't neglect it. Would you, would you be a part of it uh, for some? For somebody here this morning, it may be the, important, the most important moment of their life. Don't neglect this time, okay? Not, not this morning, not, not next Sunday. This is when we come together and worship as a family. God is, our God is emotional. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Our God is an emotional God. He rejoices over us. He is happy when we choose Him. And man, He grieves when we don't. And so, uh, um, we'll read this and, and, then, and then we'll close. Verse 15 of chapter 30. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today, and I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying His voice, and by holding fast to Him. For this is your life and the length of your days. Father, we, we thank You for the privilege that it is to come together and, and, to, uh, and to worship. To worship You. We thank You that we can come together and that we can, we can sit and open up Your Word and, and, uh, and learn. Father, would you cause us to choose life this morning by choosing Jesus Christ? Your word says there is no other name in heaven on earth by which man can be saved. And Lord, there are so many things in this world that draw our hearts from you. We're so distracted from you and your word. So I ask you, would you incline our hearts away from the idols of this world, the idols of, of fame and fortune and pleasure and would you make us completely devoted to you Father I, I know that it is your desire for the follower of Jesus Christ to trust you so God as, as, as we look back into the, time, into the times the things, the events that have happened in this last year God and whether they would be good or bad Father I pray that, that all of us who proclaim to follow Jesus Lord that in times of trial and in times of prosperity, we can, look, we can look to you and say, we trust you. We don't know why we're going through what we're going through. We don't understand it, Father, but we trust you. Lord, I pray that you would help us t to be faithful in that. Father, I, there, there may be some here this morning that don't know. They don't know life. That is, they don't know Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that... Uh, that, Lord, you would cause them to be saved this morning. And that, Lord, that they would, they would choose 
to confess and to believe. And Lord, if I could be so bold as to ask that you would that you would allow us as a church to see the fruits of that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.